Welcome to the Nurture Small Business Podcast. I'm your host, Denise Kagan, president of DCA Virtual Business Support. At DCA, we believe in small businesses and the families they support. Learn more at dcavirtual.com. Hey, I'm Denise Kagan. I am the president and founder of DCA Virtual Business Support and the host of Nurture Small Business Podcast. My guest today is known around the world as the car chick. (laughs) She is today's guest and she has been featured on national radio television programs and television programs, including the Cooper Lawrence Show, NPR, Daily Balance with Kim Jacobs. She's a regular guest on Good Day Charlotte, was also the co-host of the internationally syndicated radio show America's Garage and starred in a Speed Channel's reality show, Are You Faster Than a Redneck? Alongside comedian John Rep, NASCAR legend Kenny Wallace, and Dukes of Hazzard star John Schneider. Leanne, you and I have known each other for probably a decade and a half. <laughs> at, at least, yeah. <laughs> and you have been doing all these fantastic things since I have known you. So we're going to talk a little bit about your racing and, and your business. And then we're going to talk a lot about speaking because you do that so well. Okay. <laughs> and there is an art to being memorable when you speak to people. And that goes a long way as far as when you're a business owner you know, your sales calls, you need to be memorable, okay? Your presentations, when you're talking to people, your networking groups. So that's kind of how we're going to talk today. But so you have a couple hobbies. We'll, we'll start there so people get to know you, okay? You have a couple hobbies. I understand you do figure skating or have done figure skating. In the past. I've been retired from that for many years. Okay. So that's that seems to me like a very thoughtful, precise type of hobby. Yes, yes. I I was you know I did it very very seriously from the time I was about five years old um, into my early thirties, and it took up a lot of time, a lot of commitment, and ate up quite a bit of money. It's not a not a cheap sport to be involved in. <laughs> and now, of course, I have all the aches and pains from you know all the jumps that I did all those years and all the falls. So. <laughs> Okay, so your other hobby feels like it's kind of on the other side and not quite as well, probably precision, but I don't know, racing. Just it is not on the ice. It has nothing to do with ice. Talk to me about well, racing. It can be very slippery. The whole car tends to slide around. You know, I kind of I kind of joke because you know, figure skating was such an expensive sport. And when I retired from that, I found the one sport that was more expensive than figure skating, and that's racing cars. So, <laughs> oh but, but I love it. And I have been involved in, in motorsports uh, since I was a teenager as well. Not always entirely legally. Um, <laughs> we won't discuss that. But, uh, <laughs> but is doing it you know, the last, you know, couple, you know, decade or so has been, you know, amazing it's really been about two decades since i've been racing so and you have a story about setting the car on fire well technically i didn't set it on fire my crew chief set it on fire but i was in it when he set it on fire um it's kind of a long story but we kind of had to do that um to get the engine to start um ended up blowing an engine um about 90 minutes into a 24-hour race because we run 24-hour enduros 
and had to basically replace the engine um, overnight. And we only had literally about 30 minutes left in the race and to get back out there. And it just wasn't wanting to start. And so he finally just said, heck with it. <laughs> Poured race fuel directly into the intake and told me to hit the start button. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> and sure enough, you know, it, it, this giant fireball erupts in the engine bay and he screams at me to floor it. And so I stepped on the gas and somehow it managed to suck the flames down to the engine and the car started. <laughs> Not sure how that happened, but it did. And he's like, go, go, get out onto the track. Don't worry, the rain will put the fire out. Just get out there. Because <laughs> it was pouring the rain. So I'm like, they're pushing me out onto the track and the rain's slowly putting the fire out so we can race and you know manage to lay down a few laps in an absolute just monsoon level downpour. I couldn't see the front of the car. But we did technically finish the race. And we didn't even finish last. So yeah, it's it was an insane situation, but it was a great, great lesson in perseverance and not giving up, which is what you have to to be when you're a business owner because stuff happens all the time that you know, things go wrong every single day and you can easily get discouraged. And so when, when that happens in my business, I, I remind myself, you know, you set a car on fire in order to finish a race. <laughs> are you, you going to really let this stop you? It kind of puts it in perspective. So I have a big picture on my wall here in my office of me racing that car in that rainstorm. I don't know if I can show you guys what that looks like, but yeah, that's me. So that's like a really good I just look up and like, oh yeah, yep, yep, I, I got this, I can do this, I did that, I can do this. <laughs> That's your motivation, I love it. So for the purpose of their listeners, because I know what you do, but you're called the car chick, and clearly you like to race, but that's not the reason why you call the car chick. True, true. <laughs> now, I own a very unique car buying service for women and smart men, so you can almost think of me as a, a real estate agent, but for cars, so... I look at my clients' unique lifestyle, budget, and personality to help them pick the perfect car for them because you know, getting a good deal on a car starts with picking the right one in the first place. And that's especially hard right now in the current market where there are no cars. <laughs> so a lot of our choices now depend on, well, what can we actually get in the next six months? You know, you know are we looking new? Are we looking used? You know, we look at that whole big picture to figure out what is the right way to solve this puzzle that's right for that person and their family, both what they need today and also looking out over their horizon of how long they're planning to keep the car and you know, are they planning on starting a family, expanding a family, you know, what is looking at the strategy. So it's just not an impulse purchase today, but it's something that's going to serve them as a tool because that's ultimately what a car is. It, it's a four wheel tool and it needs, to, it needs to do what they need it to do to support their lifestyle. So I'm going to handle all the legwork and negotiating for them. And, you know, just <laughs> as my friend Becca says, it takes all the crap out of buying a car. <laughs> And that's that's exactly what I was going to ask you. So what's the benefit? You know, why would somebody pay for the service? It takes all the crap out of buying a car. Yeah. But, you know, most people, you know, would rather have a root canal than go through the car buying process. And, you know, whether it's hating the negotiating with the dealers or in the current situation where there's really not any negotiating, it's more about finding how do I even get the car? Because you, you can't even find anything to test drive half the time. So trying to figure out even how to navigate the current market with you know inventory levels being at five percent of normal and you know used car prices being crazy high sometimes it's three-year-old cars are more expensive than getting a new car if you can wait to get the new car but some dealers are charging over sticker for new cars some aren't it's the market has changed but it's the car business is always crazy and people always hate it so 
I've managed to prove the last two years that my business model is pretty much bulletproof no matter what <laughs> happens in the world. Crazier it gets, you know, the more the more benefit it is because my business model, the the benefit to people has never been the negotiating. That's always been the icing on the cake they've told me. It's in the hassle factor. You know, having someone that's on your side that you can trust to tell you what's what and what's fair and you know, tell you not to buy this, do buy that. Just having that trusted person on your side that works for you and not the dealers, even though I do work to create a win-win. And that's that's the value. People just don't want to deal with it. And they don't have, you know, that detailed knowledge. It's usually not their area of expertise. So Yeah. No, I, I would agree. I mean, I just sign the papers when I go to the dealership, which I probably shouldn't because I'm probably not probably giving away <laughs> some money, but it's I don't want to I don't want to deal with it. You know? Right. It's like I Both want it to know. be perfect and done. Yep. And they count on that. And that's kind of part of the dealership model of, you know, getting you to come in onto their turf. It's like walking into a casino. The odds are stacked in favor of the house. You know, their job as a business is to maximize their profits. And they know a lot more about this process in this industry than you do. So obviously they're going to have the advantage in that. And my job is to level that playing field and you know make sure that the customer is making the decisions informed that are right for them you know, not necessarily giving the dealers a lot of profit, but again, it's, you know, it, it does create a win-win because from the dealer's perspective, they're selling a car to a person they may never have met before. That person may never walk into their dealership. You know, I manage the expectations, make sure the dealers get, you know, great customer satisfaction surveys because they those are the lifeblood of dealers. And, you know, just making sure everything goes smoothly for everybody involved. So it takes everybody a lot less time to get through the process. So makes it fun. I just want everybody to, have fun buying a car. It, it should be fun. Cars are awesome. It shouldn't be stressful. <laughs> so maybe I should approach buying cars like I do casinos. I have a fifteen or twenty dollar budget. When I've lost it, I'm done. And I, <laughs> and I stick to that. I stick to that. Right. <laughs> That's definitely so, the way. Definitely the way to do it in a casino. Kind of look at it as this is an entertainment expense, and I have a budget of twenty bucks. Like if I were going to a movie, and once the twenty bucks is gone, it's gone. My dad and I used to always have that strategy going into the into the casinos on the cruise ships growing up. <laughs> Absolutely. So you recently did a podcast. Your podcast name is The Straight Shift with the Car Chick. Okay. The the most recent one is about this inventory crunch, is it not? Yeah, the last couple that I have done have been about you know, what's going on in the market right now because it's just so insane. It, it's unprecedented in the history of the automotive industry. So talk to me a little bit. How did you get into all this public speaking? Because you've been on radio, you've been a radio host, you've been on TV, you've hosted TV and internet shows, a podcast, uh, Shut Up and Drive and Rust Rescue. How did you get there? When I started the company, I had no marketing budget. So, <laughs> so I really had to do very much a grassroots type of marketing. And because I was inventing a new business and nobody, nobody knew what a car buying, I didn't even have a title. That's how kind of how the whole car chick thing came about. You know, there's not really even a title for what I do. You, know, you say you're you know, a financial planner, they know what a financial planner is. You, know, you say you're a plumber, they know what a plumber is. Nobody really knew what it was that I did. So I had to go out and educate people. And I'm passionate about 
sharing my knowledge. I want people to be able to make smart decisions when it comes to buying, selling, and maintaining their cars and even you know, driving safely. And my mother came out of, you know, she's, she's a teacher. She's taught English as a second language. You know, my father was, you know, he enjoyed teaching. So I kind of have this background of liking teaching and coaching. So I just started doing some workshops for women's groups, um, homeowners associations, just talking about car buying. And I also started sending out press releases because I knew I had a unique business model and, and women helping women buy cars is not something that the media had ever seen before. And they really ate it up. And the first couple of interviews that I did for some of the TV stations on the news, it went really well. I just, I found I had a knack for it. If you can kind of keep your brain about four to five words ahead of your mouth, <laughs> that's really the key to improv speaking. And I realized, this is fun. I enjoy this. And the media realized, hey, this is a person who I can you know, show up with 30 minutes notice and with a topic and they'll deliver it to me in little 10, 20 second sound bites instead of rambling on. And that's a big plus with the folks in the news media. So it just, it just happened. And I realized how much I enjoyed it. And then I started to get you know more serious about it. And I have taken acting classes and improv classes and continued to hone my craft. But it is something that I did kind of take to a little more naturally than I think some people have. So you said something very interesting, three to four words ahead. So there's an art to listening and being able to think ahead. How do you do that? Practice, a lot of practice. Honestly, the, the best improv training I ever had was doing the America's Garage radio show. Because when we first started that, it was live. And live radio is a whole different ball game. You can't have any dead air. When you're doing public speaking, even if you're up on a big stage in front of hundreds of people, there are natural pauses and you can intentionally use silence when you're telling that story, but not in live radio. <laughs> they can't have any silence. And working with you know two other co-hosts and just kind of building that chemistry, we had a natural chemistry because they were very snarky and they liked to pick on me and I could fire it right back. And so being able to think on your feet, it's something that you can learn to do through taking improv classes. It just comes a little more naturally to some people and, and you just kind of got to roll with it. But there is a key to listening to your partner, whether that's a co-host or your scene partner in acting, and then reacting to what they're saying and how they're saying it. And that's why chemistry is so important in the TV world and in the radio world. You got to find people that really have that good chemistry together. And I was very blessed to have, you know, to older guys that had been in the car industry and were hilarious. They were just really funny people. So we, we bounced off each other really, really well. And it was the best speaker training I ever could have had. You know, okay. So two thoughts here. First is I did a podcast recently. Um, I don't think it's actually published yet, but it was talking about using improv for leadership co coaching. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I actually want to run a, a workshop called improv for entrepreneurs. Because if you think about it, you're on a sales call, you're talking to a prospective customer, you got to listen to them. And I think that that's one of the things that frustrates people when they do, especially going into a car dealership, you know, they have very much a script that they're going through and them not listening to you, especially as a woman and not feeling like they're, they're just not listening to you. They're trying to sell you what they want to sell and they're going through their little script that they've been taught, but they have not necessarily been taught to listen. And I think that irritates women even more because we 
tend to feel in just society in general where they don't listen to us. <laughs> so I, I think it's absolutely key. And you know, when I talk to prospective customers, we we have what's called a, a car chat. It's a 20 minute phone call. And I just, I let them like, tell me about your situation. Let me see how I can best help you. Whether that's helping you by pitching my service to you or not. A lot of time it's not. Sometimes it's just giving you advice or sometimes it's telling you to do not buy a car. Just fix what you got. Hold on to it for a couple more years. Sometimes it's not the right decision. And so I'm listening to them. I, I truly come from a place of wanting to help them and serve them. Not, I'm not trying to sell something. And it's been tremendous. You know, you, you just said something key about listening. So in order to be able to speak, and this isn't presentation speaking, but this is like speaking in normal business owner conversations, networking, meeting, and sales, you have to listen, which is equally as important as the speaking part. Yeah, that's why, you know, we were born with two ears and one mouth, not the other way around. <laughs> Precisely. So so improv to to help pump up the ability to be able to respond more immediate and then practicing listening skills. So what other tips would you give people who just want to hone in on their ability to speak better and articulate better as an entrepreneur? Absolutely. You know, well, you got to know your stuff. You absolutely have to know your stuff and be confident in talking about it. And part of that is practicing. You know, anytime I do a formal speech, or even if I'm just no, I'm going to be on the you know Good Morning Charlotte or something, and we're going to be covering a certain topic, you know, I at least write out what my bullet points, my talking points, my sound bites are going to be. But when I do a full keynote speech, I write that bad boy out. You know, it may be 10 pages if it's a full keynote, but I write it out and I write it out word for word and I plan where are the pauses, where are my inflections, you know, when am I speaking more loudly and excitedly and, and when I'm bringing it in, it's, it's about telling a story and that's a lot of acting training, but planning that out and practicing it 4 million times, <laughs> including in front of a mirror or in front of a video camera is absolutely key but you have to own your expertise in order to have the confidence to do that. And so many entrepreneurs suffer from imposter syndrome. And that is one of the things that holds them back in speaking because they don't see themselves as that expert. You know, do I know everything there is to know about cars like across? No, of course not. There's a ton of stuff <laughs> that I don't know. But I, there's a lot of stuff that I do know, much more so than the average person. So you also have to kind of look and see, you know, you may not be the biggest expert in your whole industry. <laughs> and if you are, you're probably not afraid of speaking, but you are still more educated than the people that you're talking to, most likely. And you still have something to share. So you got to own your expertise and, and be confident in that. Because if you're not confident when you speak, you're not going to be a good speaker. And they're not going to believe you as a speaker. They're not going to buy into that story that you're, that you're sharing with them. So interestingly enough, um, and this goes to speaking, and I've noticed a difference. When I jumped into podcasting about three years ago, I kind of jumped in feet first, okay? Um, have, I, have, I, have I presented before places? Yes. Do I feel comfortable doing it? Mostly yes. I get the normal jitters that everybody does. What I have noticed is after about the first nine months, I went from somewhat scripted podcast, meaning a set of questions, to this conversation like this, a very candid conversation. And it has totally increased my confidence and just being able to have conversations about a bunch of different topics. 
Now, I will say that if somebody comes on, I had a guest that was talking about ERPs. I'm like, what the heck is ERP? (laughs) I have to do research in advance, okay? (laughs) I have to do research in advance so I understand what I'm talking about. But it doesn't just increase my confidence so much. And so is this something, you know, this is sort of along the lines of improv. Is that what you would recommend? Is Oh, absolutely. And especially since podcasting is, it's a powerful tool to get your message out there. Great marketing tool, but it's also very easy and affordable to do. And I've taught workshops on podcasting 101. So, you know, I converted a small bedroom in my house into a full-time podcasting and film studio. But it's, you know, you can you know, build a little podcast studio, even if you do it like in a closet <laughs> in a spare bedroom, you know, as long as you've got good sound dampening in there, you know, the tools that you need, you, know, you can get a good quality podcasting microphone off Amazon for a few hundred bucks, you know, a little soundboard. I mean, I think literally all the equipment that I have for podcasting probably cost me less than $600. So, you know, then it's a matter of, you know, do you know how to use it? And then there's the whole production and editing. And I happen to know somewhat about how to do that. And I have all the tools to do it from editing the TV shows. But, you know, if you don't have that, there are companies out there that will do all the podcast productions for you. There are almost every co-working space that I have ever seen has a podcasting studio in it. So if you're a member of a co-working space, you can go and rent their studio. Even if you're not a member, some of them still allow you to rent their podcasting studio. So it's very, very easy to do for anybody. You do not have to be technical. You don't have to you know, know any special friends at radio stations. It is truly something that any business owner can learn to do. And the benefit of podcasting is it's recorded. So if you screw up, guess what? You stop and you start again, and then you edit it out later. <laughs> it's a great way to build that confidence and build your speaking skills, whether you are podcasting. Most of my podcasts, it's just me and I am educating, but you know, I can talk on a topic by myself without pauses for 45 minutes. It's not a problem. (laughs) Or if it's an interview type podcasting like you do, you know, then it's a back and forth conversation and there's your listening skills. And the benefit is your guest is doing a lot of the talking. So you don't have to worry about writing as much content. But either way you do it, it's it's such a powerful tool for building that confidence in yourself and then building that know, like, and trust factor with your audience. People think if you podcast or, you know, you're on TV or something like that, you're like super cool. And, you know, it's really not true. We're still just, you know, the same insecure business owners we've always been. But we have had the courage to step outside of our comfort zone and learn something new. And, you know, most of the people that I know that have taken those steps have found it very rewarding, both personally as well as financially for their business. So I was a guest on a podcast about this time last year called All the Hacks. It's a fantastic podcast. And apparently it's one of the most popular podcasts on the planet because that one podcast. And here's the other benefit of podcasting over speaking. A podcast is recorded and it's published and it's out there for, you know, ever. And people can come along and listen to it. It's not a one-time, one-and-done speaking engagement. I get dozens of new leads every single month from this one podcast that I recorded a year ago. My business has tripled because I was a guest on one podcast. So you never know what could happen 
you know, if you just kind of take an opportunity. And I almost didn't say yes, because I was still recovering from nearly dying from COVID. And so I was like, oh, I'm not sure I can do this. And Chris was like, it's okay. You know, if, if you get tired and we need to stop and start the recording again, or even record it in two separate sessions, it's fine. I just really want you on. I'm like, okay, I need to get back out there. I need to start doing this. It's time to start living again. And boy, am I glad I said yes to that opportunity. <laughs> okay. So say yes to the opportunities, guest Definitely. and host or yeah. both. What else would you, what else do you think would be important for our listeners to, to know just about ways to increase their ability to be memorable when speaking? Be genuine and tell stories. People like to be entertained before they are educated. So if you can weave the education into entertainment and, and stories are also more relatable, whether it's you know, you're telling a story on yourself or you're sharing a story about a client, you know, obviously with their permission or you don't say any names <laughs> to protect the not so innocent, but weaving things into stories is more authentic. And especially if the stories are about you. So, you know, talking about the setting the car on fire and <laughs> you know, buying fireproof underwear and, and crazy things like that. It it helps people to get to know you. And again, it, it builds that no like and trust factor. But I think the one of the most important things to people these days, because unfortunately it is becoming so rare, is authenticity and integrity. We're we're lacking a little of that in the world right now. And so sharing your stories when you speak is and, and being vulnerable about it. You know? Mm-hmm. People, people want to hear about your challenges, your struggles. Um, another coach that I know always says that your mess is your message. So don't be afraid to admit to the times that you've completely screwed up <laughs> and made mistakes because that's what we learn from. And that's what makes you more relatable. People see you and think, oh, wow, that person totally screwed that up and recovered and came out stronger. Maybe there's hope for me too. Maybe I can, maybe I can do that too. So it's just all about building that, that trust factor. And you can't have trust without integrity and authenticity. Absolutely. I agree. So before we sign off for the day, let's um, recap straight shift. Where, where can they find that? Uh, the straight shift with the car chick. You can go to the straightshift.com. That just takes you to the podcast page on my website. But of course it's also on iTunes, Spotify, all those other podcasting platforms, <laughs> you name it. It's, it's out there. So. Very easy to find. We've got about 80-something episodes now. Okay. And your website is thecarchick.com. Correct. All right, Leanne, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having me, Denise. Always good to see you. People. (laughs) 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 Well, I I would not have the success that I have experienced, especially over the last few years, if it it weren't for Wendy and the, the social media team. You know, you have such great people to support small business owners. So I am grateful to you for my Wendy. I love my Wendy. <laughs> my Wendy. I'm not sure. And that's, that's what small business owners do or should do is support each other. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Take it easy, Denise. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me for today's Nurture Small Business podcast, where the focus is on business growth, technology, and people strategies to help your business thrive. 
At DCA Virtual Business Support, our focus is making your business operations run smooth so you can focus on growth. Reach out to me at denise at dcavirtual.com if you'd like to learn more.